Let's give it up for Jesus. How about that? Amen. It's all about Him. We are here to celebrate Him, celebrate uh, what Jesus has done for us. The Father sent Jesus to this earth to die on a cross and pay a sin debt we couldn't pay. The Bible says Jesus willingly came. He willingly came and gave his life for us. An example, paid for our sins through his death on the cross, rose from the dead to give us eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. That's the good news, and that's the only thing that will change your life forever here and eternity there. Amen, amen. So we're glad you guys are here today. We are in a sermon series. Guess what the title is? Ask It. You have submitted a bunch of questions to me, and um, I'm going to answer all those, the ones I understand. <laughs> and uh, you, um, just to remind you, I can't answer them all in the sermon series. We've got today, and we've got next Sunday, and uh, then this sermon series will be over, and we're going to start a brand new sermon series. And the title of our next sermon series is Crazy People. It is. It really is. Crazy people. And they all come to the early service. Does that help you guys a little bit? So we're going to talk about them, and uh, that's the next sermon series. Um, so we're going to answer all your questions, and some of them, uh, most of them actually, I'm going to have to answer online. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll uh, answer them thoroughly. We'll put them on the website. So you'll go to the website each week for the next several weeks after this sermon series is over. And uh, you'll find your question there being answered if you haven't heard it being answered here uh, in the uh, uh, public ministry here at the church. You'll find it there on the website. If you don't find your question there, then you'll know I need a little more help or I need a little more information and you can resubmit it and you can stay anonymous. That's fine. And uh, we hope you will do that. Okay. All right. So we have dealt with 14 questions. So question number 15, what is your favorite food? Because I let you guys ask uh, some personal questions. Anything you want to ask, personal questions, probably some of those that were asked, I'm not going to answer. But um, this one is, what is your favorite food? Well, <clears throat> I mean, come on. Filet mignon, seriously, on the grill, I mean, seriously. And I'm cooking it because I've eaten filet mignon somewhere else. <laughs> Nobody can touch me on the grill, baby. I know how to grill it. And uh, so I love that. I do, I do love, um, how many of y'all, like, have y'all been to Carabas? Do you like, uh, you ever tried the filet mignon with the marsala sauce? Now, y'all are not going to hear anything else I preach today because you got food on the brain. So now I'm going to talk about my favorite regular food, fried chicken. Fried chicken. <laughs> fried chicken, okay? So what I'm going to do, since that's no surprise to anybody, and I know you're going to think it's Bojangles, but I'm going to give you the top four places to buy fried chicken within a 50-mile radius of this church. <laughs> so are y'all ready? All right, now you might not agree with me, but you'll be wrong, Okay? <laughs> So let me just tell you, so number four, we're going up to number one. Number four, Bojangles. I love Bojangles. I'm having Bojangles today for lunch. My wife told me she was cooking Bojangles. So we're having Bojangles for lunch. So I love Bojangles, but it's not the best. My next favorite is Carly C's. Come on. 
Who's been to Carly C's and got some fried chicken? Amen. It's right back there behind the cucumbers. And um, it is, I'm telling you, it's good stuff, buddy. And uh, when we think about it, we'll call there and go by and pick it up on the way home. So good. Uh, my, third, my second favorite, my second favorite, and really, i got to tell you, it's really a tie with Carly C's, is I like McCall's. I like McCall's fried chicken. You like their fried chicken? Number one. Drum roll, please. That's pretty good. Sound like it was raining again. Um, um, Parker's baby and Wilson. <laughs> that. Woo. Lord. Felt something right there. Who, any other good places? Your house? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I should have put my mama's house. That's the best fried chicken right there. I'm glad she's not here today. Where? Chicken barn. is Where's that? Smithville. Smithville. All right. All right. We'll get to the scripture in a minute. Any other? Where? Bill. Bill. Oh, yeah, I love Bill's too. I love Bill's too. Amen. Yeah, he's got a buffet. You know, the Bible, actually, there's a verse in the Bible that says, buffet your body daily. <laughs> it's in there. It's in there. Now, some of y'all aren't going to get anything out of my sermon because you're going to be looking that up all through the service. There it is, baby, right there. He said it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, another personal question. Do you like tofu? Here's my answer to that. No, foo. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. I just don't like the sound of it. Somebody told me if you deep fry it, it's good. And my answer to that was, what ain't good if you deep fry it? Bad English, good preaching. Okay. Time to get serious. So let's answer question number 17. What does the Bible say about burial or cremation? I'm sure the person who wrote this was primarily interested in cremation. We, see, we know a lot of stories about burial in the Bible. So what does the Bible say about cremation? cremation? Um, you're not going to find anywhere in the Bible clear, specific teaching or instruction on the topic of cremation. Now, I know what somebody's thinking, but I saw on the internet, <laughs> you can see anything on the internet. I saw stuff on the internet too. You know, you just want to see what everybody's saying. I mean, I couldn't believe some of the stuff that people just pulled scripture out. What did we talk about last week? They pulled scripture out of what? Context. You can't do that. You pull scripture out of context, you make the Bible say anything you want it to say. Can't do that. It's got to be in context. So, man, I saw some pretty weird stuff that people believe about cremation. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. Now, let me just, um, let me just tell you that I'm going to tell you what the Bible says on every topic. I can tell by the way some of you ask me questions you already got your idea about it, and you want to see if I'm going to agree with you. I can tell. I mean, we got some questions coming up. Alcohol. Christians using alcohol. We got questions coming up about homosexuality. See, I can't tell you, if I have a personal conviction about something, I can't tell you about my personal conviction. I got to tell you what the Bible says. And 
I, I can't add to the Bible to make you feel better because of how you were brought up. I can't take away from the Bible to make you feel better because you don't believe something the Bible teaches, so you want me to take it out or you want me to water it down or you want me to make it say something it's not saying. Now, here's what I'm going to do, and I know somebody's going to send me some bad emails. I know they are, but that's fine. I just want to tell you, I just got to tell you what the scripture says. So y'all, here's, what you got to, here's the way you got to view me. I'm the paper boy. I'm the mailman. If you get something in the mail you don't like, you don't go stand out by, there by the mailbox and go, I'm going to kick his rear end when he gets here <laughs> telling you brought me that letter. I'll fix. No, he's just bringing the mail, baby. Isn't that right? And so that's all I'm doing. All I can do is take the book, open it up, and tell you what the book says. All right? So we're going to do it in right context. we gotta, we got to uh, understand what it meant then. Here, when you study the Bible, you ask three questions. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to me personally? What did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to me personally? So we're talking about cremation. So let's go back to the Old Testament. The Old Testament does record how people, and I gave you a lot of these notes, and I gave you scripture references. We're not going to read all the scriptures. You can go home and look them up on your own. But the Old Testament does record how people were burned to death. You can see that in 1 Kings and 2 Kings, and it speaks of how human bones were being burned in 2 Kings. But none of these, none of these incidences, and I saw this, and that's why I'm addressing it, None of them have to do with cremation. None of them had to do with the proper disposal of a deceased body. It is interesting to note that in 2 Kings chapter 23, and this is where a lot of people want to say that it's a pagan a practice, um, but if you're going to be honest about what the Bible's saying, that is not what it's saying there. In 2 Kings 23, it talks about human bones being burned on an altar and how that desecrated that altar. But you have to study that in the context of that day. It has nothing to do with the modern day procedure of cremation. Um, uh, at the same time, the Old Testament law nowhere even though it said that it desecrated the altar there, you've got to read in the context of what was happening at that time. The Old Testament law nowhere commands that a deceased body cannot be burned, nor does it attach any kind of curse to that or any kind of judgment to someone who's cremated. In the Bible, we see that the disposal of the human body following death was to put that body in a tomb or a cave or in the ground. That was the normal way that it was done back then. But there's nothing in the scripture saying, no, don't do that. So, since there's nothing in the Bible saying, no, don't do that, I can't say, no, don't do that. Okay? And so, so the question really boils down to, can a Christian, should a Christian family, cremated family member, or should a Christian be cremated for clarity again, I know I've said this over and over, but I want to restate it one more time. There's no clear scriptural command saying that we can't do that. Now, one argument that I hear a lot about cremation is this. People will say, yeah, but on when Jesus comes back, you know, he is going to reunite our spirit and our soul with our body 
and we're going to come out of the graves. And so if a person's been cremated, and I want to go, because if God can create you, I'm pretty sure he can recreate you. Ain't that the truth? Let me ask you this question. If a person's been dead a thousand years, I'm pretty sure they're dust. <laughs> Amen? So they're, they're going, you know, God, God's not up in heaven going, well, they cremated him. So. <laughs> I mean, just kind of amazing. Um, so you find, did I give you scriptures for that? Uh, script, 1 Corinthians 15? Is that in your notes? And 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Um, so I'm sure uh, in this congregation, nobody thinks that God, if a person has been created, nobody thinks that God, that makes it more difficult for him. Um, you know, he has to have an emergency meeting of the Trinity because that happened. Um, it's also important to remember um, that God's ability, we really... God can do anything he wants to. We can't inhibit God from anything. So it boils down to the question of, so pastor, what are you saying? Is it right or is it wrong? Here's, here's the answer. Since the Bible doesn't say either you can do that explicitly or you cannot do that explicitly, then you have Christian freedom in that area. It's called Christian freedom. You just have the freedom to pray, uh, James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5, pray for wisdom, ask God to give us wisdom. If you feel a conviction about that, if you feel an uneasiness about that, then follow your conviction. But you're not going to find in the Bible where it says you can't do that. Okay? All right? Question number 18. Question number 18. How do I know if God is speaking to me? How do I know if God is telling me to do something? Now, before we get into that question, I want you to turn your sheet over and look at the last question because we're not going to make it to the last question today. We're not going to make it. The last question, number 19, why do evil people flourish? You ever wondered that? Why do evil people flourish, prosper, and have good health? Well, we're going to dig into that next week. I thought I might have time today, but um, as, I, as I develop this whole next thought of God speaking to us, I needed a little bit more time. But I left some scriptures there that I hope you will read and go back and look into and do some study and be ready next week when we talk about this, about why evil people flourish and have good health and why good people sometimes who don't do anything wrong um, have a whole lot of wrong things happen to them. And so we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to clear that up, okay? So let's go back to question 18. Turn it back over, question 18. And we're going to talk about... Um, Hearing God, God speaking to us, hearing God, getting direction from God. How do we know when God is speaking? How do I know if he's telling me to do something? Let me remind you that back in April of 2013, this past April, I did a, I believe it's four-part series on hearing God. So I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. Now let me tell you how to find that on the website because we're getting so much stuff on our church website, it's not easy to find everything now. So when you go to our website, there's a little tab that says grow. Belong, commit, grow, serve. So under the grow tab, you click on that, and underneath it will say podcast. And when you click on that, 
Um, you can listen to my sermons from way back, way back. And you'll find that one in April of last year. I would encourage you, if you weren't here at that time or you didn't hear that message, you'd use kind of like a refresher on that topic that you'll go back and listen to that. Okay? So uh, let's start today with the fact that God has certainly spoken to people in the past. That God has certainly spoken to people on many occasions, and I believe still speaks to people today. Um, he spoke, uh, you can find places where he spoke with an audible voice. Now, I would not encourage you to listen for that. Now, I'm not saying God can't. As a matter of fact, God can do anything he wants to. Isn't that right? I mean, you could wake up in the morning and uh, take a shower, and when you come out, he's written in the fog on your mirror. I mean, God can do anything he wants to. He can say anything he wants to, any way he wants to. But I know that God is not into tricks. God is not into doing things just to make you go, wow. Um, he does a lot of stuff that makes me go, wow. But uh, he's not into just doing tricks. You, um, you remember when he was in temptation, when he, in Luke chapter 4, where he was in the wilderness and he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness all by himself. And right at the end of his fasting time, Satan came in and was talking to him and tried to get him to do tricks. He said, you know, if you're the son of God, why don't you turn that stone into bread and eat it? And, and this is really important for you to get this because this is how you win your battle over the enemy too. Jesus answered everything the enemy tempted him with with the scriptures, with the Word of God. So, so the Bible, the Word of God, is a weapon in your hand. It's a weapon in your hand. Um, and so every time he would tempt Jesus, Jesus would, would uh, say, the Bible says, thus saith the Lord, the scripture says, it is written. That's what Jesus would actually say, it is written. And he would quote. And uh, then he said, you know, if you're, really, if you're really God, if you're really who you say you are, why don't you jump down off the pinnacle of the temple and angels will come in and catch you. And Satan, listen to this now, because this is really cool. You need to go back and study this. He actually quoted scripture. Satan quoted scripture on Jesus. And, but he quoted it out of context, and he didn't quote uh, the whole message of it. And so Jesus responded with the word of God. And, um, you know, he kept trying to get Jesus to do tricks. Jesus wouldn't do it. Can I just say to you, Jesus isn't into tricks. He isn't into tricks to make you go, oh, okay, now I believe in God. You did that little trick for me, so now I believe in God. He's just not into that. And so, so um, if you've got here an audible voice to believe in God, you are just setting yourself up for failure because um, uh, that's, that's a very, very, very rare thing, and I would never say never, but I would come close to saying never on that one. Um, he spoke to Adam and Eve in Genesis 3, Noah in Genesis 6, Abraham in Genesis 12, and many, many others in the Bible. So if he wants to, he can speak with an audible voice. Here's the real question. Does God still speak to us today in modern times? The answer to that is yes, he does. I'm going to give you three ways that he speaks to us, three ways very quickly that he speaks to us. Number one, God speaks to us through creation, through creation. Now, a lot of y'all let God speak to you like that during the summer. You go to the beach and you say, speak Jesus, you know. And so that's why we have Thursday night services, so you can go to Thursday night church before you go to the beach. No excuses around here. <laughs> Amen? 
Amen. We have a Thursday night service. We have another campus in Goldsboro meet on Thursday night. You say, yeah, but you know, you preach here and then you go there and preach that. But we're about to change that in a couple of weeks. And the first time I preach a sermon will be at the other campus. So if you're going to be away on a Sunday, you can go there on Thursday night, get that message, get your family in church. We've got the same kids ministry, everything over there. And it's, uh, you know, where Delmas Bridgers Hardware is. It's in that little shopping center. Thursday night, 7 o'clock, come out. I'm preaching. And uh, matter of fact, we're about to start Sunday morning church over there uh, in Goldsboro. Isn't that awesome? Can we just praise God for that? So we'll be offering four services, four services in two locations. And um, Pastor Jeremy is going to be letting us know uh, more about that. Some of you may feel, and I'm going to just pause right here, do a little commercial. Some of you may feel uh, a call from God. God does speak, you know, that's what we're talking about. And you might feel a little call from God to kind of go help that campus kick it off on Sunday morning for a few weeks, maybe even a few months until we get some attention coming to that service. And uh, talk to Pastor Jeremy and um, you can get up with us uh, by calling the church and we'd love to have you because we're going to need some families to really commit over there on Sunday morning for just a little while to get us going. And so talk to Pastor Jeremy about that. If you've got a little pioneer spirit, you know, a little church planting spirit in you, you, want, you don't want to just uh, go where it's easy. You want to go where it's kind of difficult and kind of hard. And, and you've got that pioneer spirit in you. This is a great place to unleash it. All right? So God speaks to us through creation. Let's look at Psalms uh, 19, 1 through 3. And so I'm going to go through this. And I'm going to pause. And when I pause, I want you to say the word. Okay? The heavens... That means speaks. The heavens speak. The heavens declare what? The glory of God. And the sky above does what? Proclaims his day to day, uh, pours out what? And night to night reveals what? There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not Heard. So God speaks through creation. And you guys, I, you know, I see pictures you put on Facebook. And uh, this time of year, you know, when it's really cold, especially, aren't the sunsets just awesome? And I don't know why that is, but it's just really pretty in the, in the wintertime. And you guys see that and put it out there. And yesterday I was, man, was that some storming yesterday? Uh, storming. And I was uh, coming home from, my dad's in the hospital. I was coming home from seeing my dad. And I, I circled around, uh, and I saw a rainbow. It's like almost a double rainbow, man. It's almost. Y'all saw that video? Yeah, that's funny. It's the most of you. But so, so creation speaks. Look around you. Look around you. I'm not a beach person, you know. I like pictures of the beach. And I like to go down to the beach because they have restaurants there. Uh, but I'm not going to get on the beach. I did it one time, and little children saw me, and they thought I was a baby albino whale, and they were trying to get me back in the water. <laughs> said, leave me alone. Get him in the water. He's going to die. Uh, mommy, mommy. And uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm one of the whitest white men in Wayne County. I'm just telling you right now. I'm just telling you. Uh, so, so when you go to the beach, and I know a lot of you guys love the beach, that's great. You look, look around you. And don't just think about, man, this is so peaceful, this is so nice. I love the sound of the waves. 
Think about God made that for you. God made that for you. And when you hear those waves crashing, that's God. That, those waves are saying, glory to God. Glory to God. Then those thunderclouds are, are, are making their noise. It's, it's glory to God. I know it scares the daylights out of some of you. But it's glory to God. It's praise. It's adoration. It's the declaration of who God is. It's how God reveals himself to us. So take it in, man. Soak it in. We are so busy. We don't even soak in beautiful, beautiful things around us. Um, we got a few guys in the church who do some farming and to watch a seed come up out of the ground, to watch a, a seed just lay there dormant and then all of a sudden here comes a little rain and a little warm air and all of a sudden that seed germinates and pushes up through. And I mean, that's just the creation of God declaring his handiwork. So God speaks to us with no words. He speaks to us with no words. He speaks to us with just the creation around us. Number two, and this is the primary way God speaks. This is the number one way God speaks. He speaks through the Bible. He speaks through the Word of God. Um, Paul's protege, Timothy. Let's look at it. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. How much? All Scripture. So please now, let me just go ahead and tell you, um, I know I look 35, but I'm 57, I'm old. So I'm, I'm not going to argue the Bible with anybody. I mean, well, I'll talk to you a little while, but if, but if every time you want to come to me, you want to argue, argue the validity of, of the Bible, I'm not interested in that. And there's probably some people here who do that with you, but I put that to bed a long time ago. Here at the bridge, we believe the whole Bible. We believe the whole Bible. We believe from the first word of Genesis to the last word of Revelation. You say, time out. You believe that a fish swallowed Jonah, a whale swallowed Jonah? We believe it if it said Jonah swallowed the whale. We believe the Bible. Amen? Amen. We do. We believe the Word of God here. And so, so don't come to me with this um, more liberal approach. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying leave me alone. I'm just saying I'll discuss it with you a little bit, but we can go back and forth about that forever. Here's, this just sets me free right here. All Scripture. So don't, don't say, well, you know, I think some of it's inspired by God and some of it isn't. I think some of it's true and some of it, well, I'm sorry. You got an old school guy up here and I just can't play that game. All Scripture. How much? All Scripture is what? Breathed, everybody say it, breathed out by God. All Scripture is breathed out by God. How much? Very important. And all Scripture is what? For, 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 and for, in, that the man of God, and that doesn't mean man, masculine, it means human, that means you two ladies, that the human of God, the human who follows God, the human who's given their life to God, may be complete. That means trained. That means equipped. Complete, equipped for what? Every. Okay. So all Scripture is given. So God speaks through the Scriptures. Scripture's God's word. It's his love letter. It's his love letter. When you read the Bible, put dear and then read. 
put your name, dear Farrell, blah, 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 blah. It's his love letter. And again, it is the number one way he communicates with mankind. Let's look at 2 Peter 1, 20 uh, through 21. I don't think that's a slide, but I do think it's in your notes. You got that in your notes? 2 Peter 1. Look at this. This is so important, guys. This is so important if you get this. For no prophecy, which means scripture, no prophecy, no scripture written in the Bible is recorded, no prophecy recorded in scripture was ever thought up by the prophet himself. That is very important. Because I had people, I've had people come up to me and go, well, you know, Paul, he was a chauvinist. I'm like, man, you, you're going to talk about Paul. I'll have to lay hands on you. So, for no prophecy recorded in Scripture was ever thought up by the prophet himself. Every bit of Scripture was from the who. And the Holy Spirit was working within these godly men and the Holy Spirit gave them what? True messages from God. So we believe the Bible here at this church. And you might have thought, you know, because we have contemporary music and because we don't do things in a traditional way here that somehow the message would be a little bit diluted and wouldn't be so strong and we would kind of be, you know, just flow with the culture and whatever the culture says. We kind of adapt our doctrine to fit the culture because we don't want to offend anybody. I'm telling you, you're not going to find that here. You're not going to find that here. We love, look, we're not going to be legalistic. We're not going to be legalistic. You know, that says you got to wear a tie and wear your shirt tail in and wear a three-piece suit. If Jesus comes, if you haven't got that on, you're not going to make it. Because I remember back in 1970, I felt like if you, didn't have a le- if you didn't have a leisure suit, you might get left behind, you know? So, um, so we don't, we're not into rules made by men. Amen? We're not into rules made by men. But I'll tell you what we are into. We're into every word of the Bible. If the Bible says it, we believe it. Okay? All right. So when anyone is trying to hear God's voice, the Bible's the perfect standard. Now, God can and clearly, certainly does speak to people today in some of the ways mentioned in the Bible, but I want to give you a word of caution uh, about some things because people will come to you claiming to speak for God. And here's what you need to pray for, and if you don't know what this is, write this down and look it up. You need to pray for discernment. You need to pray that God will give you the ability that when you hear somebody speaking for God, that if they're not really speaking for God, that little alarm bells will start going off in your head. Little sirens, little flashing lights. You know, you say, hey, I got that now. No, well, that could be something different. But if you're, if, just say, God, when somebody comes to me claiming to speak for God and, and it's not true, I just pray for an uneasiness. Now listen. I've had people say things to me and say, you know, this is what the Bible says, this is what God says, and it didn't sound right to me, but when I checked it out, it was right. So I'm not saying anything that makes you uneasy that you don't check it out. Check it out. You say, what if you say it? Check it out. You definitely check me out. Any pastor, preacher, teacher who says don't check me out, you've got to really check him out. Isn't that right? So check me out. Check me out on the things I say. 
Anything God communicates us to us will be consistent with what he's already said in the Bible. Can I just say to you today, and I don't mean to burst your bubble, but God's not writing new scripture. You say, well, I got five blank pages in the back of my Bible. What's that for? Take notes of my sermons. Amen. Um, so, so there's no new scripture being written. And I remember um, there was a time when people got really off base and people were going around giving words of prophecy and I got a word from the Lord. And, I, and people were actually writing stuff in their Bible in addition to what was already in the Bible. If I come up to you, let's say you come and you're sitting down with me, we're talking, and, uh, and I share some guidance with you or share some advice with you, and not just me, but anybody in your life. And it's not, and it's not already, it doesn't flow with what God's already written in his word, then man... That's, that's something you don't need to hear. God's not writing new scripture. The word of God is complete. It's complete. Um, he's perfect. God's perfect. He's revealed a word is perfect in the Bible. He'll never convey something that contradicts his perfect revelation that he's already given. So as we talk about this little warning here, that takes us to number three, the third way God speaks to us, and that is through other believers. Other believers. Can I just say something to new Christians? New Christians, <laughs> I don't care what you've seen. I don't care what you've seen somebody else do. You have no business speaking something from God into somebody's life until you do a lot of growing. Okay? Because a lot of times a, a new Christian will see a seasoned Christian do something, and they will think, well, I'll do that. That seasoned Christian, if they're giving advice, or shit, that's coming out of years of study, years of prayer, years of discernment and developing discernment in their life. I'm, I'm telling you, new Christians, you just really need to focus on you and your development and your growth. And as you grow and you develop, you'll sense when God releases you or God guides you to bless somebody or help somebody. Now, there are some things, it doesn't matter where you are in your Christian walk, you can say to people to encourage them. You can encourage people. But as far as saying you ought to do this and then do that, and, you know, be real careful with that, especially very, very young, young Christians. Um, so when other godly people are involved in our lives, they can encourage us. Now, if I'm going to speak to you, even if it's correction, even if I have to come to you and say, hey, listen, man, that right there is not something you want to be doing as a Christian, I ought to say it in a way that encourages you. I ought to say it in a way that it's a blessing to you. I ought to say it in a way that when you hear me say it, that you know I said it because I care about you and not because I'm here to straighten you out. Does that make sense? Now, now sometimes it doesn't matter how you say it, People always take it wrong, okay? So, but you gotta, you gotta go ahead and do that and just take the heat for it. Um, let's look at Romans 12, 8. Look at Romans 12, 8. Um, again, if your gift is to encourage others, hey, guess what you're supposed to do? <laughs> That's some deep stuff right there, isn't it? If your gift is to encourage, I'm gonna do this like a Southern guy, all right? If your gift, 
is to encourage others. Here's an idea for you. Be encouraging. <laughs> and then he goes, <laughs> you say, I brought guests. Sorry. If it is giving, then give. If your gift is leadership, then lead. If your gift is uh, showing kindness, then show kindness. So, so some, some people have the gift of encouragement. I had a lady this morning, shared with me, uh, heard me talking about, we got a couple of guys in our church who are life coaches. She said, that's what I do too. So I got her card in my pocket. Now, probably her job as a life coach came from the fact she's a Christian, she's a believer, she's a follower of Jesus. It, her, her business where she makes a living probably came from her gift of what? Encouragement. And, and she probably uses that gift, you know, just to minister to people. But then that is also the way that she makes her living, spending time with people, mentoring them, helping them develop their life goals and all of that. We got three people in our church who do that for a living. And so if you want to hook up with them, call us, and we will be glad to connect you with them. So, so when, here's the deal. When you're getting a word or somebody speaking to you, whether they say, God told me to tell you this. I mean, if they say, that, if they say God told me to tell you, that is a big, I'm not saying he didn't, but that is a, I mean, if a person's going to say that right there, you got to check that. I don't care if I say that to you. I don't care who says that to you. God told me to tell you, because here's how I look at that. I know God. And I think if he wouldn't tell me something, he might just tell me. Since I know him and he knows me, we know each other. <laughs> Amen. So, but, but sometimes I can get in a place maybe in my life of discouragement where I can't, I'm just kind of unplugged, you know. I'm just kind of out there because circumstances have discouraged me. And somebody might come up to me and go, hey, pastor, um, I just felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you, blah, blah, blah. And it just lifts my spirit. Y'all know what I'm saying? So just be real careful with that. And I'm not saying don't do it. But, man, if you're going to say something to somebody and say God said it, first thing you want to do is make sure it matches the already written word. You don't want to say anything that doesn't match the already written scriptures. The second thing is you want to make really sure that it is God. And, and sometimes I think it's okay if you say to a person, you know what, I was praying and, uh, or I was talking to God or I was just thinking about you and thinking about God and you know what, I don't really know if this is God wanting me to tell you this, but as a friend... And you might be speaking for God, but you're not setting them. I mean, if you, if you talk to somebody and you say, God told me to tell you this, do you know what kind of pressure that puts on them? So just say, I want to say this to you as a friend. And if it's God through you, he'll, he'll do the same thing in them he wanted to do either way. Does that make sense? That makes sense. So, so just, I'm just telling you to be real careful with that. So in 2 Peter 2, 1, I don't know if I gave you this in the notes, but he talks about false prophets there. And look, you can be a false prophet and mean to be, and you can be a false prophet and not mean to be. Because I was, I, I've preached, I started preaching when I was 17. How many of y'all think I might have preached some stuff that wasn't right? I preached a sermon one time, biggest crowd I'd ever preached in front of. I was about 17 years old, 17, 18 years old, and I was preaching on Samuel and Eli, and Samuel was the priest, Eli was Hannah's little, and I said Samuel was, I said uh, Eli was Samuel's dad. 
So I didn't know. Well, that's not going to send anybody to hell, but it sure is going to mess up the lineage. <laughs> but um, so, so sometimes you can say something that's not true, and you, you just didn't really mean to. Um, but you, so the whole deal about that is you got to be really careful. So before you speak something, know it. Before you speak something, know it. And, and if you, you have somebody you're really close to and you've been in prayer and you've been really talking to God about them and, and you just really sense that you want to say some encouraging things to them, just, and you say, but I think God might have told me to say that. But you don't have to preface it that way. If God puts something in your spirit and tells somebody, just tell them. You don't have to preface it with God told me to tell you. Just go, you know, think about this and then say it. Make sense? Okay. Um, also, you again, you want to test. 1 John 4, 1 tells us to test. Test things we hear. Test things that are taught. And then in 1 John, the next two verses, 1 John 4, 2 and 3, boy, John gets really down to it here. He says, you know what? If a, if a person comes to you speaking for God and they don't believe that Jesus came to die on the cross for our sins and rose from the dead to give us new life and that you have to receive Jesus to have life, then those people, are, you don't need to listen to them. I mean, that's basically what he said in 1 John 4, 2 and 3. So, so here's the deal. And, and this, is something I di this is something I struggle with as a pastor. And this is something every pastor struggles with. And I don't want to get real personal with it, and I don't want to offend anybody here, but unorthodox teaching creeps into the church. Unorthodox teaching creeps into the church. New stuff, new doctrines, and uh, uh, new interpretations of Scripture. That the greatest theological minds missed it somehow, but this guy's got it. Y'all with me? And so it creeps into the church, and next thing you know, there are little groups, and they're little, and they're t and you, and so a lot of times I'm not the first one to know. A lot of times I'm kind of the middle guy to know. So it's my job when those kind of doctrines creep in the church, and normally what they are are fads. Did y'all know there are religious fads? Religious fads creep into the church, and they're very fat, faddish. Stuff. I could name some things, but I'm sure there's some people here who would go, oh, I think that's God. You know, so I just won't go into listing those. But you've got to be real careful about fads and go, hey, God. I know people love to use that scripture. God's doing a new thing. A new thing. Well, I mean, if you put stuff under that umbrella, you can do about anything you want to. And people go, well, what is that? Oh, God's doing a new thing. And you won't look at them and go, I don't think that's God at all. And really, it's not a new thing. Most of the time, if you trace stuff back that's false, it's, it was false at another time already. Does that make sense? Um, so it is my job, it's my job uh, as the senior pastor, and I won't always be the senior pastor if the Lord don't come back. You know, I'm 57. I plan to leave when I'm 87, so y'all going to get another pastor when I'm 87. So, so that guy's got to have this job too, and that is being aware of false teaching that creeps into the church that comes through ignorance. Sometimes it's ignorance, it's not a mean intention, it's not a bad, hateful, destructive intention, but it creeps in, are y'all with me? And then there's sometimes it is, it is stuff that comes in 
with, a, with an agenda. And buddy, you, you got to deal with that. You got to deal with that very quickly. And the way you really tell if a person is spiritually plugged in is when you talk to them about something that's not true, how they react to it. Because if you have a teachable spirit and you're like, well, I don't know, Pastor, if I agree with you on that, but I tell you what, you're my pastor and I've been under your leadership for a long time and I don't really see where what I'm saying is a problem, but I'm going to study that and I'm going to check that out. And, and Pastor, I appreciate you loving me enough to come to me. See, that's the mature reaction. That's a mature reaction. But the immature reaction is defensiveness and, you know, you're not preaching the truth and, and all that kind of stuff. So I deal with that here. I've dealt with that all my life. I've dealt with that all my ministry. Y'all know I've been a pastor since I was 19 years old. That's way too young to be a senior pastor. The first deacon board meeting I ever went to, I was the chairman. <laughs> so here was my agenda. What y'all want to talk about? You know, that's, that's it. So... I don't know where that came from. But anyway, I, I just want you to know that I have seen it all. I've seen it all. And when people tell me, when people tell me God's doing a new thing, and I know what the scripture means, so you, when you go read that in the Bible, you need to study scriptures before that, that scripture, and all the scriptures after that to get a context of what that one verse means. See, you pull that verse out, you can go, you can do anything you want to in church and go, God's doing a new thing, here it is, blah, blah, blah. You know, here's a verse that says that. And, and you got all kind of crazy stuff going on in the church. So my job is to stand on the wall. And the next guy behind me, his job's going to be to stand on the wall. And when you stand on the wall and you go, I'm not going to have that in here, you're going to make enemies. And when they leave, they're going to take people with them. And it's going to break your heart. You're going to lay awake at night and you're going to cry because you loved them. You loved those people. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily, I'm just pouring my heart out. Y'all good? Sometimes it's not necessarily that it was a false doctrine. It's more in the sense of they had a different vision and they wanted to push me to go into the, into the vision God had given them for ministry. And so when I had to stand up against that and go, we're not going there. That's not what God's called me to do here at the bridge and where God wants me to lead the bridge. And that would, lead, that would often lead into a separation. Uh, and it happens. It just happens, you know. And, and it's not that we hate anybody or they hate us. Uh, and really, I've kind of drifted a little bit because I was talking about unorthodox teaching. Um, just be very, very careful about new things. If it's new, it ain't true. And if it's true, it ain't new. Write that down. If it's new, it ain't true. And if it's true, it ain't going to be new. Ain't going to be A-I-N-T, apostrophe, A-I-N. All right, this is it. Three things to do if you, let's say you're sitting here, let's get back to the original question. You're sitting here today and go, how do I know if I'm being led by God? How do I know if God's telling me to do something? How, how do I know if God wants me to do something? I'm going to give you three things, and this is not in your notes. I, I got this about 4 o'clock this morning. Number one, obey what you do know. The reason a lot of us don't know more is because we don't obey the part he has revealed to us. 
You say, well, you know, I want to, I, I don't know, I want to be a teacher. I want, I want to be a teacher, or I want to be up on, I want to be involved in the music. Right? You know what? Drive in the light you got, and then you'll see further down the road. When you're driving a car at night, you can only see, I don't know, 40 feet maybe in front of the car. I don't know how far you can see. I should have done some research. But you don't stop on the side of the road and people go, why, why are you stopping here on the side of the road? Something wrong with your car? No, I just can only see 40 feet, so I can't drive. If I only see 40 feet in front of me, they're going to look at you and go, duh, drive in that light. And then you'll be able to see further. That's what I'm saying to you. The reason a lot of us don't know God's will for our life, can't get into direction from God about our future, is because we haven't obeyed the part he has shown us. You say, what are you talking about? Well, there is a part in the Bible that talks about taking the gospel to all the world. What are you doing about that? You say, was he talking to me? Yes. Yes. You say, well, I'm waiting for that. You know, I just, I see those praise and worship leaders up there and I see me on that team. And I see you up there, pastor, and I just see me up there. Um, I, I understand that. I, I, I was young one time too and I thought, you know, I, I almost quit Bible college because I thought the world couldn't wait for me. <laughs> the world needs me. So then I went out there and I found out I didn't have anything to give them. So I came back to school. So here's what you do. When you want to know God's will, give your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. So let's say right now we don't need anybody on the praise team or we don't need another preacher up here. Then you say, well, where do you need me? And we go, well, here's some areas where we need. And you go, you know what? I'm willing to serve there. Now the Bible says that when you prove yourself faithful in small things, God will make you a ruler over big things. So if you don't, if you don't, if you're not willing to do, if you're not willing to change a barn burner diaper, y'all know what that is? Oh, you know, you're like, oh, biohazard, you know. If you're not willing to do that, if you're not willing to pick up a little child, if you're not willing to, if you're not willing to stand in the parking lot and hold an umbrella, then I'm not sure you're ready to be up here. I'm not sure you're ready to be up here. See, when you prove yourself faithful in what the world says are small things, I don't think they're small things to God, but the world, the church, you know, we got our, our pecking orders. I think when we get to heaven, God's going to go, man, the pecking order wasn't like that at all. Matter of fact, some of the people on stage were not nearly as close as some of the people close to me as some of the people out in the parking lot with rain dripping off their nose. Amen, amen. So I think we're going to be surprised when we get there. So give your heart and hands to the place of greatest demand. Just walk up on our staff and go, where, where do y'all need me? I'm going to serve wherever y'all need me. Because when God sees that, God's going to go, that's the heart I'm looking for. That's it. But if you're waiting for that big pie in the sky job, it, it just isn't going to come to you. I mean, is it about you or is it about the kingdom? Demonstrate that serving heart. Go to the soup kitchen. You say, well, you know, outreach really isn't my gift. <laughs> Do some outreach. Everybody's outreach. Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go work at the soup kitchen. Go on a mission trip. Help somebody go on a mission trip. Help with the children. Children. Help with the students. Help with hospitality. Prove to God you're just willing to build his kingdom in any area. And when you do, God will go, you've proved yourself in the small things. I'm going to open up other doors for you now. 
Number two, experiment. Experiment. You might say, well, I think I might want to help with the children, but I'm not sure. We'll just go sit with the kids one Sunday. I'm telling you, that will reveal to you whether you're supposed to be there or not. <laughs> you walk in there and you'll go, I love it. But they were screaming and running around and throwing up. And I know I love it. Well, see, I know right then that's God right there. Amen. <laughs> Experiment. We'll put you out there with the Royal Rangers. Um, now, we protect our kids. We're going to do a background check if you're going to work with our kids. We're going to check up because we, we protect our children. Man, I had somebody ripping me apart on Facebook the other day. Said, if a person's a Christian, you ought to just trust them. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anybody can say they're a Christian. I think if I wanted to molest little children, I'd probably say I was a Christian. I'd say anything I... Y'all with me? So, man, we're going to know you. We're going to know you. And I know sometimes, parents, when you go to pick up your children, you're a little upset because there's a line there. All that is for that child's protection. I mean, if we got a mom and dad who are fighting a custody battle and mom gets the little name tag and she comes in here and dad finds out mom's coming to church here, he runs over there and little, little Tommy, two years old, says, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And uh, we go, that's obviously his daddy. So we reach down and hand, and then that man's, we're not going to let that happen. You can, get mad, you can get all mad all you want to get mad. We're not going to let that happen. Amen, amen? So we're going to protect our little ones here. We're going to protect them. And I don't know how I got off on that. But anyway, help us out. So experiment, experiment. Uh, go over to the team, help on. Uh, you know, shadow somebody. We have a little thing here where you shadow somebody. You say, well, I think I might want to work with the parking lot team. or I might. Just shadow a parking lot guy one Sunday. Help us out one Sunday. See if you like. If you don't like it, you can back out and go, you know what? That's not for me. That's fine. Um, Serve where you think God may be calling you. Number three, this is it. Last one, this is it. Pray and trust the Holy Spirit to guide you. The Holy Spirit will guide you. You know what it says in John 16, 13? It says the, whole, the Spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. That's a promise. The good steps of a, the, the steps of a good man, the steps of a good woman are what? Ordered by the Lord. I love this, and this is so common sense right here. Dr. Adrian Rogers, y'all know I quote him all the time. He's in heaven. But here's what he said one time. I'll never forget it. He said, you know, he said, when I want to know what God's will is about something, he said, I don't look for signs. He said, now if God wants to give me a sign, I'll take a sign, but I don't look for signs. He said, God don't owe me a sign. He said, so when I really want to know whether something's God's will for my life, he said, I pray. He said, I'll fast a meal, fast a day. He said, and then I read all the Bible, scripture verses I can read that have to do with that. He said, and I give God time to work in my life and speak to me. He said, and then you know what I do? He said, I do what I think's best. He said, because sometimes God ain't going to come down and go, do this, go there, turn left. God's just going to, God's going to say, you know what, you're my child. You've prayed, you've fasted, you've done everything you need to do. Just take a step. And in that prayer time, you can say, you know what, God? I'm going to go ahead and take a step because I don't sense anything from you saying don't. I don't sense anything from you really saying do either. But I'm going to just take one step in that direction. I mean, I'm not going to commit that I'm not going to go there, but I'm just going to take a step in that direction. And God, if that's wrong, you just sound the alarms, press the buzzer. 
So I want to be in your will. I want to do your will. Do you think, do you think the God we serve is going to hear a prayer of sincerity and humble humility like that and go, no, I'm not, I'm not going to show you. I'm not going to be there for you. No. He loves you. He loves you. If you start to step in the wrong direction, if your heart is soft before him and your heart's tender before him and you're just kind of weeping and you're kind of scared and you just kind of, listen, he's not going to just let you go on out there. He's going to put some roadblocks. He's going to do some things. He, that's the kind of God we serve. I mean, we studied it last week. His, his name, his reputation is on, uh, it's, it's, it's on uh, uh, being made public. What, what about his reputation? So God knows that uh, um, what he does, how he works in your life is going to reveal who he really is. So now when you pray and when you trust God, sometimes you're going to sense God going, yes, do it. And when you do, you still need to be careful because that could be you going, yes. So you go, God, I'm thinking that's a yeah, I'm going to, and just start. Sometimes he's going to come and go, no. And you're going to really, really, really want to hear yes. And you might really fight him on it, but he'll wrestle with you. He proved that with Jacob, didn't he? He'll wrestle with you. And then finally you go, no, I know you don't want me to. I really wanted to do that, but now I see how I've done that. It would have turned into this and blah, blah, blah. So now I know why you didn't want me to do that. And then sometimes God ain't going to say anything. He's going to be quiet. Sometimes he's going to say, wait. I know. I wish I could stand up here and go, do these three things and you will know the will of God. I can't. Because I do. I go through the same process as you guys go through. Okay? Let's pray.